Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Might Acne. I'm very excited for this week's episode. We have an awesome matchmaker from Last First. Her name's Emily, and she answers a lot of your questions that you had submitted um, about how matchmaking works and all that good stuff. So I'm really excited for you to listen. And we've got tons of really great episodes coming up next week and the week after. So I'm just very excited for this summer of good episodes. I wanted to start my solo as I usually do with questions that you submitted that you wanted me to answer. Um, Someone said to talk about gaslighting. Yeah, I mean, gaslighting, it's funny because, I mean, there's nothing funny about it. I'll tell you that right now. But um, I just don't feel like anyone knew what gaslighting even was before you know, the past few years, but it's a really serious thing. Um, Gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation in which a person or a group covertly sows seeds of doubt in a targeted individual or group, making them question their own memory, perception, or judgment, often evoking in them cognitive dissonance and other changes, including low self-esteem. So when translated into a relationship, gaslighting is basically like, for example, let's say your partner is interested in someone else and you say, I really feel like you have this thing for, I don't know, for Bob. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy that there's no base to that, Bob, like that kind of stuff, you know? And making someone feel like insane for not being insane, that's gaslighting. And it's really fucked up and it needs to stop. And there are other examples, you know, but the cheating example is for me, that's the most self-explanatory. I think like also, you know, if someone, I don't know, maybe they're like withholding sex from you and you're like, I don't know, I feel like you're not like, you don't want to have sex with me. And they're like, what are you talking about? I've just been busy. Like that's gaslighting too. Um, So just like be aware of it. You can avoid gaslighting by having conversations with someone instead of just dismissing them as crazy or insane. You just need to communicate. That's what relationships are all about. So we did this episode last week with the author from The Rules. And now all of your questions have to do with The Rules. Uh, One of the big ones was which rules I think can be broken. Well, okay. I'll start with, I don't think you need to see someone only once a week. I think that's a little ridiculous. You know, you need to see someone more than once a week to actually know them. And it's kind of boring if you only see someone once a week. Like, how does the relationship progress? In my opinion, you have to see them like two or three times at least. So that one I disagree with. I don't think that you need to wait till an engagement to move in with someone or like till a marriage. I don't believe that. And actually that will come up because I'm going to talk to you guys about how I am moving in with my boyfriend, which I'm really excited about. Um, But you don't need, you don't need that before moving in together. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any other that I really adamantly disagree with. I mean, there's like the ridiculous ones that are like, you always have to have straight hair. Don't cut your hair short. Like, that's a joke, you know? Like, if you have confidence, you can rock any hairstyle. It doesn't matter. And if a guy, you know, or girl isn't going to date you because you don't have straight hair, like, fuck that person. You don't want to be with that person. That's trash. Um, So those are the ones that I think can be broken. And I think, essentially, like, you can break as many as you want. The whole idea is just to be 
not available all the time, like to not cancel on your friends for guys. Like those are the main takeaways and to have your own life. Like that is all the most important and not to have sex right away. How do the rules apply to dating apps? So for this one, I actually think that you can be the one to reach out on dating apps. Like there's no issue with that. It's really hard to find people on dating apps. So sometimes if someone didn't like, you know, like you first, maybe they didn't see you, maybe their algorithm didn't pop you up. Totally fine to send a like to someone, totally fine to initiate a conversation with someone. But then I think you need to let them take it from there in terms of asking you to grab a drink with them or go on a date with them or go to dinner with them. Like that's when you let them take control. And, you know, I think it's like it's a push and pull. Like you have to show some interest, but then like you let them take the reins when it comes to the actual plan itself, I think. And then with quarantine dating and and the rules, I feel like if I was talking to Sherry right now, the author, she would say it's the same thing, be unavailable, blah, 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 like pretend you have something. And I don't disagree, but I think like if you're both in the same place, like let's say you're both staying with your families and then you go into the city to meet up, like, and you're both there for a few days, like you can see them every day that, that time, you know, like if you're going there to see that person, then you can see them every day. You can hang out with them. You can maybe have sleepovers, but then like when you're apart, Make sure you're not like all over them and like you give each other space. And again, you're busy. You're a busy person. Tips for couples where one is local and the other isn't. Like, for example, if one is from New York City and the other one just moved there. Hmm. I mean, that one's tough because you start with an uneven dynamic in a way. You start with one person kind of knowing everything and knowing people and having friends there and the other person not. And that doesn't mean it can't work, but I think that you need to, you know, you need as if you're the person from New York city, you need to cut them some slack. Like they don't know anything. You need to be okay with introducing them to people and things. And you need to not be like grossed out by the fact that like they might have friends through you only like you chose someone who just moved there. You know, I remember I dated someone um, who had just moved to the city and it was winter time. And he was like, do you want to go ice skating? Like everything that he wanted to do was like a tourist activity. He was like, do you want to like go to spin and like hit ping pong balls? Like, do you want to go ice skating? Do you want to like go to the Empire State Building? And like, I was very sweet about it. And honestly, it was kind of fun to like rediscover my city in, you know, new eyes. So I, but then like after a while it got tiring and I was like, okay, like you need to, you know, have your own thing going on or like discover more things. And so I think like the sweet spot is finding someone who's lived, you know, where you are for like two years already, but I think it can still work for sure. Um, someone wants me to talk about my move-in plans with my boyfriend. So happy for you. They said, thank you. Um, so yeah, so we've been living with my parents We've now been together. I mean, technically our first date was like seven months ago, but we've since, let's see, we became official March, mid-March. So um, March, April, May, June, July. We're like, we're like five months, um, which is still very new if you count, you know, from official. And we've been living with my parents, as a lot of you know, and like we've been quarantined together since this began. We had only been dating for two months and we got thrown into quarantine. So it's like at camp when you are with someone all the time, like your relationships move faster or at college, you know, when you're like living with someone. And so I feel like we've really gotten to know each other and we know like the bad sides too, you know, not just the good. And we still really like each other, which is so crazy. Like that we not only love each other, but we like each other. So, which is so rare and his lease was up. And so we started talking um, about what we were going to do. And I was like, you know, if you want to move in with me, like instead of getting your own apartment, like I forgot how the conversation exactly went, but it, it opened up to a conversation. And then, you know, we had like started it and we both seemed like we were into the idea because, you know, again, we're living together now. Um, but then we kind of tabled the conversation for a few days and then I, and I talk about this in next week's episode too, but then we were in the city moving him out and we were having dinner and I just cooked dinner and we were sitting talking and I said something like, um, 
by the way, like we can close the book on that conversation. And I said this kind of like as a protective like manner and as protective manner because he hadn't said like, okay, I definitely want to live with you, you know, like, and I get that because you need time to think about this. This is a huge life event. So I was like, we can table it. Like, you know, I know it's a lot and, you know, we've both never lived with a partner before. And so like, take your time. And he was like, no, like, I want to live with you. He was like, I can't imagine coming back to the city and not living together. And it was just like such an emotional moment for both of us. And like there were tears and we were hugging. It was really cute. Um, And I'm really excited about it. And so now we're looking for an apartment together um, and we need someone to take over my lease. So if you're listening to this and you're looking for a great apartment in Union Square in the city um, that can be a flex two bedroom with awesome doormen who are amazing, great neighbors who are great, you know, please get in touch because I will give that apartment to you gladly. And okay. Wow. I'm talking for a while. So I'm going to try to wrap it up. Losing intimacy in a long-term relationship. That's really tough. I mean, I just did a poll question about it today. Like the first thing that goes, I think, is sex and it's not good. And it and it is indicative of, you know, losing this passion in your relationship. And I don't know what to recommend. I mean, we do have a highlight on how to re... Like we have a highlight on our Instagram. So go check it if this is something you relate to about like sparking the intimacy again. But I think therapy is really helpful. I think having like, you know, time apart, just the two of you, I think, you know, it's somewhat safe to vacation again. If like you're driving somewhere that's been uh, cleaned and and whatnot, like maybe you need to go on a road trip, something like that. Um, I would just like, you know, really try to reconnect with that person and figure out why you started dating them in the first place horoscopes memes do you look at your sun moon or rising um i look at all of them and i see which one i relate to the most and i usually relate to my moon sign the most when i look at horoscope memes and that is it because i really want to give emily some airtime i think she has some a lot of really good things to say and it's always good to hear from the matchmaker perspective i don't know if you've ever used a matchmaker before, but it's great to hear like what they're looking for and what they think works in matches. So I'm going to turn it over to our episode with Emily. Hope you enjoy. It's so funny because before I found out about Saqqara, I didn't even know what a superfood was. And now that I've learned, like now that I've been using Saqqara for so long and like trying all their amazingly delicious meals. I know what superfoods are. And I, when I'm not having Saqqara, I make sure to get those superfoods as well because they genuinely make you feel good. Basically, if you don't know what Saqqara is for me talking about it already and always sharing about it on my Instagram... It's not about restricting what you eat. It's literally about like, you know, quarantine's been rough for like a lot of people. A lot of people have been off their schedule. I did a poll, like tons of people are gaining weight, you know, and just not feeling good about themselves. And don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with anyone's weight. You're all perfect. But you want to reach, if you have a health goal of just like feeling better and focusing on your overall wellness, Saqqara's meals are perfect for you. They're organic and they're ready to eat meals made with really powerful plant-based ingredients. Normally, I don't even like that stuff, but Saqqara makes it delicious. They're designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. I don't know about you, but my skin has been questionable during this quarantine. And along with the delicious meals, Saqqara also has daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas to support your nutrition. So if you want to boost results, you have to try their best-selling Metabolism Super Powder. It's an all-natural remedy for bloating, weight gain, and fatigue. And you just throw it into your smoothie in the morning or like, you know, mix it into a yogurt bowl, whatever you got to do. It is the best. My One of my personal favorites is the milk. They have like this vegan milk, M-Y-L-K. That's so good. It comes with their granolas in the morning and they've got amazing cinnamon rolls and you can like go in and edit to make sure you get like the right, 
you know, you can switch in what you're getting every week. And it's just amazing. And for you guys, I want you to experience it. So if you go to sakara.com slash Acme, you'll get 20% off your first order. So all you have to do is go to sakara.com slash Acme or enter code Acme at checkout and you're going to get 20% off your first order. I really think that you're going to love it. You know, this is just for you. It's just for our listeners. And um, I'm really excited to hear what you think and what you order. Tag me in your picks. Hey, friends. My name's Olivia Perez, and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks, like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with Emily Holmes-Hahn of Last First Matchmaking. Hey, Emily. Hey guys. Hey, Lindsay. How's it going? Well, it is going as well as can be, I suppose. Um, I'm quarantined out in the Hamptons and um, taking it day by day. Yeah. So Emily, tell us a little bit about yourself. How old are you and where are you from? So I'm 32 years old um, and I'm from Maryland. I've been in New York a total of 10 years now, though. Um, I did college at NYU and then I lived in Paris where I worked in fashion. And then I came back to New York and started my matchmaking company. Awesome. And what is your current relationship status? I'm married. Love it. How did you guys meet? We met um, at a bar in the West Village called Wilfie and Nell. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh, I know it. It's a really <laughs> good one. They play great music. Yeah, they do. They do. I don't, I feel like I'm a little bit past that scene now, but it is, it's like if there were a bar to meet people, I think that would probably still be the bar. Definitely. And how did that happen? Like, did you go up to him? Did he go up to you? It was very, I mean, it was very mutual, like eye flirtation across the room and then talking, bought me a drink and been together um, almost nine years now. Oh my God. I love that. And just because we're really into astrology on the podcast, what is your birthday and what's your husband's? Oh, I love that. Um, my, I'm a Pisces. I'm March 13th and he's December 28th. So he's a Capricorn. Yeah. That's a really good match. Do you feel like you being a Pisces, because that's like dreamy and intuitive, is like contributes in a positive way to matchmaking? I definitely do. Um, definitely like the, like, you know, just fantasizing things and playing out matches in my head, like while they're actually on the date and then hearing about them, that makes it really rewarding when mm -hmm. kind of my image of what is going on gets fulfilled or I get to kind of color it in with the people's stories. Um, I love that. yeah, no, it's, it, it's amazing. And, and also just being able to kind of think outside the box a little bit and match people based more on energies rather than just what's on paper or, you know, what they say they want. Um, sometimes I have a little sense of something by this, both because I'm a Pisces and because I do this professionally, I have a little sense of kind of that je ne sais quoi or that twinkle in someone's eye that's just going to be so good with this other person, even though, you know, they're five years north of the age, the, you know, the desired age bracket, or, right. you know, they're not each other's physical type or something like that. Right. I feel like it's so important to think outside the box. So how would you say last first stands out from the matchmaking, the companies that there are out there and, and what, what is, is your like motto for last first? Mm -hmm. Well, we kind of call ourselves kind of the downtown cool kids club of matchmaking. We stay away from hearts and cupids on our logo. It's, you know, it's just, it's, it's not, I, I like to think that it's not cheesy and it's not, you know, not that there is a stereotype anymore of matchmakers, but back, you know, back in the day before the dating apps, it was a little bit you know, just kind of glossy and cheesy and lots of hearts and cupids and with my background in fashion. Um, and then working another one year before I started this company at one of those kind of bigger agencies, I combined those two aesthetics to, to make this. And, and I guess our ultimate motto is, you know, if, if, if I wouldn't date the guys or if I wouldn't introduce the guys to my closest friends, 
then it's, you know, then, then I wouldn't take them on as a client either. So the girls mm-hmm. really trust us and, um, and the guys as well. I love that. Okay. I'm going to ask you a few questions, probably a little bit more than a few that people <laughs> submitted to you. So one person asked, I know this is old, but I have a question. How can I get intimate with a guy without sleeping with him? Oh, interesting. Well, I would have follow-up questions for her, I suppose, because it could vary. It can definitely vary relationship to relationship. But I would say, you know, if you're talking in in quarantine terms, you can't sleep with him because you're physically not together. You're not at that level in your relationship with um, yet, I would say. I mean, you know, challenge yourself to go really deep into your conversations, talk about your past, talk about your values and your relationship goals, your, your views on the world, rather than, you know, just, you know, I think it's easy to talk about superficial things and banter and joke back and forth and send gifts and selfies and stuff like that. But you can become more intimate with someone if you, you know, ask them some deep things and open up about your more private parts. Yeah, I agree. Do you have like, do you do any level of coaching once you've made a match? Like don't have sex on the first date or like here are um, suggestions based on like what, maybe what you know about the client. I do, I do, but it, there's no stock advice that I give anyway. I used to have some stock tips and now I really think it varies person to person. Yeah. I mean, sex on a first date is one that I definitely, I mean, I, I don't, advise against that. I mean, I, I know lots of couples who do have sex on a first date and I also know lots of couples who I would say, you know, who, who for them, that would be totally unnatural. So yeah. you can't put one algorithm to it. Do you guys charge both women and men or just one? We charge both, but it's an, you have, everyone has an option to either pay or not pay. So you interview, the first step is you interview with me or someone from my team and we you know, go very deep into your background and your goals and your values and, um, and your hobbies and all that stuff and your work. And after that, we tell you basically you have the option to do the proactive approach, which is to pay. It's, you know, it's quite expensive. Um, but you get a guaranteed number of matches. You get to kind of, it's, it's kind of a, a very, very elevated version of the dating app where you get to sift through different profiles. We'll send you a couple of options. You call us, you talk about them and you pick the one that you want, or you can do the reactive approach, which once you do the questionnaire with us, you're onboarded, you're in our database. And when we have a paying person for you, we'll call you. So if you don't pay, you still get the same, like what are the benefits versus paying versus not? Well, paying you, it's more proactive. So you get a set, you get, you get guaranteed matches. You could give an interview and you could be amazing and, and, you know, be the best person ever, but we might not have a client for you. Mm-hmm. And because you didn't pay, we're not going to go like outsourcing for you either. We're not going to go it. looking around on Instagram for people who are your type and then interviewing and vetting them. Hope you guys are enjoying this episode with Emily. I know I love hearing from a matchmaker's perspective of just like what they feel and think when putting together a match. But speaking of matches, you know, things are starting to slowly potentially get back to normal. And there are dates that are happening in person now, whether it's just a social distance walk or sitting at a restaurant that is safely open. And for me personally, when I go on dates like this, I love wearing some little thing, like a little jewelry situation. Because for me, I don't like to wear a lot of makeup, but when I wear jewelry, I feel really good. And I just feel like, dressed. And so that's why I'm so obsessed with Majuri. If you haven't heard me talk about it before, it's literally, it's like fine jewelry for your damn self. Like you don't need anyone to buy it for you. You know, it's stuff that you can wear in your apartment, on a date, on a walk, you know, literally not doing anything, sitting on the couch. They've got a lot of 14 karat solid gold staples, like light as air hoops, barely their chains, everyday diamonds. I personally love the ring stacks. I got like a couple golds and silver and I stack them and I wear them. Um, and it's just, it's perfect. And because I love you guys and I want you to check it out and try it for yourself, you can go to majuri.com slash Acme and you can get 10% off your first order. So that's M-E-J-U-R-I 
com slash Acme. You'll get 10% off your first order. And I think you're really going to love it. DM me if you want recommendations. I have a few different things. I love the horizontal bar necklace. It says my nickname on it. I love their B ring. Um, so check it out. Go to Majuri.com slash Acme. You'll get 10% off your first order. M-E-J-U-R-I slash Acme. 10% off. Okay, back to the episode. So I know you mentioned you work with celebrities and like high profile clients. Just out of curiosity, like what are those people kind of looking for in a partner? If there is like one universal thing or just like something that they all have in common? Hmm. Like those more high profile people specifically? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, are they looking for someone else who matches, you know, how much money they make? Or like, are they looking for the opposite of that? Interestingly, I think a lot of times the women, and it's, I I don't know why, but I think the women are looking for someone who's as successful, if not more successful than they are. You know, that I think our most successful women are looking, yeah, for someone who's on even playing ground because they don't want a dynamic where they're taking care of someone, though there are definitely exceptions. And I think the men and women who are more recognizable are, you know, are, are, looking for people, it's very easy for them to find dates. Obviously they could, you know, go into a bar and, and people would recognize them. People would be interested in going out and having a drink with them, but they're looking for, you know, somebody who they can have actual things in common with and who, who maybe can teach them something who's in a totally different line of work so they can build off of each other. And yeah. Yeah. Someone said, if you're not immediately into someone on your first two or three dates, does that mean they're not the one? No, I don't think so. I, um, I definitely, I have a lot of marriages actually that went on two or three dates, ended things or just kind of, you know, ghosted off of each other. And then a few months later they reconnected. Um, because I think, I think it sounds trite, but timing really is everything. And you could, you know, even, even in today's dating scape, when it's, it's so easy to just swipe and come by another person. I think that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's dates are less valuable. So even so, you know, you're having a bad day at work and you carry a little bit of that negative energy into a date, you know, that could ruin the relationship for at least a while. Mm-hmm. And in another, in, you know, you know, maybe before all of this dating app kind of madness, you would have given each other another chance after that. And, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Do you think that timing, you, you mentioned timing is everything like, would you be comfortable working with someone who just got out of like a nine year relationship who wants to date like right after that? Would be, I would be as long as you're matching him or her with people whose values align because that person mm-hmm. might just be really excited to get back in the game and have casual romances. Um, so as long as you're upfront with the other side of those romances, then I definitely don't have a problem with it. We, we work with a lot of people who aren't looking to get married. Oh, so what, so for, for those people, is it just like, they're just looking for, like you would match someone who's just looking to hook up? They're looking for something more than just a hookup. They're looking mm-hmm. for definitely something, you know, deeper than just a hookup. But, and then usually most of them are looking for something exclusive with one person. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we definitely match people who, you know, who don't really know what they want, or they're not necessarily just wanting to go, get from point A to point B on a certain timeline. Right many more of our clients are looking to get married. Mm -hmm. Should there be a time limit to a first date? AKA, is it bad to let it linger long or is that BS? I think there should be a time limit to a first date. Um, You know, you should, you should know when to just make your exit. Usually even, even a little bit before you would think I say an hour and a half, two hours, leave some mystery. Um, Obviously, you know, you run the risk of getting drunk or just, telling your whole life story. And then it, and then you have no kind of, you, there's, there's not as much more to discover and there's not as much appeal to going on a second date. I totally agree. Let's say you do get too drunk on a first date. Is that something that you should address the next day and be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Or just like ignore it and hope that, you know, (laughs) they didn't care. Well, I guess it depends on how much you like the person. Um, I would probably address it. I would address it. I would send a sweet text and say, you know, make, make, make light of it and and hope that you'll get another chance. 
Yeah, I agree. I feel like if it were me as the receiving person to the drunkness and they didn't address it, I'd be like, okay, they're not self-aware and like I'm not attracted. That's very true. What's something that deters you from setting two people up when they're otherwise a match? Hmm. Um, I would say, you mean if they're a match on paper? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, like different... I mean, there, there really is very little, I would say, I mean, just being, being a good person is really important to most of my clients. So if somebody, if, if somebody says something, you know, about, um, you know, about their friend, about their friendships or about their family, that makes me think that, you know, maybe they just don't have a lot of love in their life, even if they're the right age and the right, you know, the right values and the right relationship goals for that person, I probably wouldn't do the match. Yeah. Um, but otherwise there's there, it's really mostly intuitive. So a lot of matches that don't look good or that look good on paper. Um, you know, we just, we end up doing just because they look good on paper, but also because there's something else, there's something more intangible. Yeah. How can someone break out of having a type if that type isn't the best for them? Well, I think that, you know, it is a bit of a numbers game. So if you date, if you go on enough dates with people who are that, if you, if you know, you know, if you say you hire a matchmaker and you say, this is my exact type. And I, I set you up with the first four matches who are exactly that type, which is what I would usually do for a paying client. You know, they've paid a lot. This is what they're looking for. That's what I'll do to start. Mm-hmm. If it's not working, then I'll say, you know, maybe you could trust me a little bit and we can think outside the box and, and, you know, increase the, up the age range or relax a little bit on the educational background requirements or something like that. So I think dating, you know, to answer your question, dating enough of the wrong person should hopefully be a wake up call and you'll get fatigued that it's not working out with this person. So you could change it up a bit. I really like this matchmaker or a friend to, to help you see that. Yeah. I really like this one question. It says, what is the most common misconception people have around who is right for them? It's hmm. an interesting question. Do you answer your own question? Do you, do you have a thought on that? Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe like I think, so I have a boyfriend now um, and I've dated a lot in the past. I think I always thought that someone who, I don't know, I, I didn't, I didn't really think that like family values and shared, you know, like uh, morals and, and like, I didn't really prioritize those. I prioritized like attractive, funny, smart. But I think that for me, like I'm really close with my family. So it's someone that's really close with their family is someone I get along with best. And I never put two and two together for that probably until my current relationship. I think that's a really important, that, that was one of the first ones that came to my mind as well, because I think that if you're really close with your family and the other person isn't, they're never going to understand, you know, wanting to talk to your mom every day or wanting to, you know, go on a family trip for an extended period of time and Mm -hmm. integrate with that. I think that's a really good one. I think, um, that also, you know, I think, I think looks are a big deal these days and, you know, helping clients just break outside of, of the, you know, just this, this superficial culture mm-hmm. can be, is, is something, you know, we're doing a lot too. Yeah. Cause looks fade. They do. And also like people don't look like their pictures. So people, a client will get really excited that, you know, somebody has a really great looking Instagram and then, you know, mm-hmm. and then they'll discount the other two matches that I presented because they didn't. Um, which I can understand, you know, in this, in this kind of dating culture, but sometimes they end up missing out on good matches. Someone said, what aspect of my personality is the most important in compatibility with another? What aspect of my personality is the most important? I would say in compatibility terms, probably, probably compassion and empathy. I think that it, it's very hard to match somebody who's, who's, you know, who has deep, deep empathy and feeling for others with somebody who doesn't. That's usually a mismatch. Yeah, yeah that's so true. Do opposites really attract? Sometimes, absolutely, but just as often, no. Um, I think opposites who are attract are definitely a certain type of person who can, who can see 
the beauty and, you know, and somebody who can teach them things that are outside of their comfort zone or who have different worldviews than they do. So even those kind of opposites in a sense are similar in that they have to be open-minded to attract. Yeah. Agreed. I feel like you have to have just as much like opposite as you do similar, almost like a balance. Like you can't be the same person, but like you also can't be completely different. So there has to be like some similarities and some differences, I feel. Right. Like if you have all the same, you know, if you have all the same hobbies and you, you, you run in the same friend circles, that's great, but it actually might be boring then if you have the exact same political views and the exact same, um, you know, kind of educational background and upbringing. I agree. Yeah. Like I, I've dated, I'm from New York city and I dated someone from New York city and I was like, we have nothing to talk about. Right. But now I'm dating someone from like Westchester, which isn't that different, but yet we still have so much to talk about because there's so, so much of a, like a difference. Um, yeah. Someone asked, what's the number one reason you see couples like not working out in matchmaking? Um, you mean longer term couples? Yeah. I would, I would say, um, sadly, you know, two months in, for example, I think a lot of relationships break up because of, you know, these random rules that women and men have set around dating, you know, he's not making plans enough with me, or, you know, I'm always the first one to text things like that, that I think are, are very 2020 in a bad way. Um, people aren't able to cut them out and because it is so easy to flick your thumb and get another date, little things like that can ruin what would have otherwise been a pretty good relationship. Right. And like, you can just communicate those things. And if the person really cares for you, like they'll listen, I feel like. I think so. But sometimes people take it so personally too. Mm. And some, and some of it, I mean, some of the things that I hear and I don't necessarily, I don't subscribe to this and I don't agree with it, but you know, things like, do you send an Uber to the person to, you know, to, to pick her up for the date? Um, right. little things like that, that I, I think people get so, so offended over and they're not able to look past it, but then they call the person out on it. And I think understandably the person says, well, that, you know, that, that goes against my values. That's not something that I would do. So we're not a match, but at the same time, is it really that big of a deal to completely wipe out the match? Right. You know, I, I personally think those things are superficial and either person should be able to look past them. Agreed. Like if you can't get over an Uber, that's on you. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's happened a lot more than once. So Yeah, that's crazy. Is there a person out there for everyone? Absolutely. That's probably the Pisces in me as well as the matchmaker in me, but but I definitely think there there are many people out there for people, especially open-minded people who are, are you know, going to let themselves fall in love and throw themselves into relationships. Yeah. Um I think that that there are lots of chances to find an amazing partner. Yeah. What are your thoughts on dating apps? I know you said that you guys have profiles on dating apps. Do you think that they're a great addition to matchmaking or not so much? I think that they are because they give us access to lots and lots of people who we know are single. We kind of see their little pitch on themselves. So we, you get, you get a, a sense of who they right. are. And then as matchmakers, you know, we can meet them in person. We can see if they actually look like those photos, which a lot of them don't. We can see if they're as witty and quick in person as they are over text. A lot of them aren't. Um, so it, it, it's, I think they're good and bad. They give us access to a lot of people. But with that, you know, if you're just a dater on the apps, then I think that can, you know, that can be bad because you'll end up kissing a lot of frogs and sifting through a lot of mismatches. Yeah, it's definitely a numbers game. Do you? take into account zodiac signs when making a match at all? We do. I, per- I personally, I-, I love astrology and, um, and I do take it into account. But I also, I mean, I also see great matches that defy astrology. So yeah, I agree with that. Can true love grow out of a relationship that started because of loneliness? Hmm. Well, that's very, that's very relevant during COVID, I think. Right, exactly. Um, absolutely. Again, I think timing is everything. And 
if you're both really lonely and, and you, you catch each other at that kind of beautiful moment where you've been thinking and you've been, you know, doing soul searching and you're able to open up to each other. I think that can actually be a really nice way to start. Something yeah, out. I agree. It's like, it's like a deeper connection from the beginning almost. And even talking about exes, we don't have, I mean, people always ask us when, you know, when is it right to bring up an ex? Say, bring it up on the first date, especially if it was a long-term thing and you were hurt. It's good. It's good. You know, don't, don't talk for more than 20 minutes, you know, maybe even 10 minutes about if it's a first date, but, um, but you know, show your vulnerability a little bit and, and show your soul. And I think that people will fall in love with you more if you're able to do that. And also know that you weren't afraid to commit in the past. I agree. I think there's nothing wrong with talking about exes on first or second dates. I think it's like about how you talk about them. Like if you're going to talk about an ex and be like, they're horrible. I hate them. They're psycho. Then that's not a good reflection on you. But if you're like, yeah, it didn't work, but I learned X, Y, and Z. And like, I still think they're a great person, but like, you know, I realized like what wasn't working for me, et cetera. Like if you're able to talk about it in a constructive way, then I feel like that's okay. Absolutely. And if you can't do that, then you're probably not ready to be on the date anyway. Exactly. Someone said, oh my God, there's so many. Like, can you match me? This, <laughs> yes. someone's, like, someone's like, does this person I want, does someone I want exist? Okay. Definitely. Like, how do you know when someone is the one? I guess like maybe how did you know that your husband was the one or like when you make matches that end up becoming one for each other? I would say again, it's, it's, it's so intangible. It's so hard to answer questions like that. And I've Mm -hmm. seen so many different matches. I've, I've made matches that I really thought wouldn't work that are so, so happy now. And, you know, I think it's, 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 it's a feeling it's, it's je ne sais quoi. It's, um, you know, it's just something that you can't put words to. Yeah. But you'll know. (laughs) Right. In our climate that we're in right now, would you feel comfortable matching two people with like totally opposite political views? No. And that's a really common deal breaker. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, in the last four years, politics have become really, really polarizing in a way that they, you know, we used to match a Democrat with a Republican, no problem. That was, you know, you know, especially we're all New Yorkers. It wasn't a big deal. Now it's very, very... Um, that's one of the most common things we hear. I, I couldn't date a Trump supporter or I couldn't date someone who's against gay marriage or something like that. And mm-hmm. Do you think it's a red flag if you get a client who comes in um, like, you know, 30, 32, 28, never been in a relationship before? I don't think it's a red flag. I understand in some cases it could be, but a lot of the people, I mean, a lot of New Yorkers too, I think you're spending your twenties, you're building your career. Hopefully you're having fun. You're, you're making lifelong friendships. You're exploring. It's really hard to turn off the noise of the city and focus on somebody that young. So 30, 32, I mean, if he, you know, 50, probably yes. Mm-hmm. 30, 31, 32. No, I don't think it's a red flag if they've never had a serious relationship. And I, and I actually know a lot of people who haven't. So this is a funny one. Have any of your clients fallen in love with you or tried to match with you, even though I guess I'm sure you've been married? <laughs> I should have said that as one of the off limits questions. Um, That's I've, definitely, I've had a few, a few, um, not marriage proposal, you know, date proposals and, um, that's hilarious. Things like that. Yes. That's so funny. <laughs> but that just makes uh, for a good story. I mean, without using names that all, you know, that'll definitely go into my book and it keeps yeah. like, so yeah, why not? Um, it's good to oh, know that you, you're still wanted. Yes. <laughs> do most good relationships take hard work or do some come naturally? I think most long-term relationships do take work. And, and if they don't, it's probably a really boring relationship. Mm. You know, if, if it doesn't take work, then you probably have too much in common to, to really be a dynamic kind of cosmopolitan New York City power couple. And that's the type of people who I'm dealing with, at least. Um, so I think, you know, ultimately you will have differences. You will have, you know, things that you'll have to reconcile together and build your own life out of. And I think that's yeah. really great. So 
what would you say like is the definition of a perfect match? Could it could a perfect match just be like two people who love each other a lot and are willing to make it work? Um, definitely. Definitely. If they have chemistry, mm-hmm. I would say a perfect match, you need chemistry. And that is something you can tell not always on date one or date two, but you know, pretty shortly thereafter, you'll know if you have chemistry with the person. Would you say that people typically marry the person that they physically envision or not really? I, in my experience, they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, although we can, you know, a fun part of the job is we can get really specific with like, you know, a girl wants a guy who's six feet and up or something. That's one we hear all the time. Um, and we can do that for our client, but I think that more often than not, it's somebody who kind of comes at you more unexpectedly and it wasn't exactly what you thought. And there's some real kind of sexy intrigue to that where it's not what yeah. you thought it would be. And he doesn't look the way you thought and he doesn't do the job you thought, or, you know, he doesn't even live in the city that you thought. And, yeah. um, and that can actually be part of the initial allure. Agreed. Do you think that the guy should do the chasing in a heterosexual relationship? I do, but I also think that girls should should chase back. I think it's important to both, and it, it's a little bit old-fashioned, but I, I, do, I think that you should both kind of, well, it's not old-fashioned. I think you should both be really bearing your souls to each other in the beginning. And he shouldn't be the only one, you know, making plans or telling, you know, telling you that you look great and that, you know, he really likes you or he's, he was so charmed by that story you told. Like you should be doing that for each other and making each other feel great. Yeah, I agree. I, I like, I'm very old fashioned in the way that I give advice, but with my partner that I'm dating now, I feel like I did kind of, like a lot of the work too in the beginning, which is not normal for me, but it ended up making our relationship like a real equal partnership. As and opposed that's a good to them. Sign. Yeah. If that's not normal for you, but you found yourself jumping out of your comfort zone to do that right. for this person, that's a, I mean, that's very powerful. If, if that's not some, not your typical, it's so easy to fall into dating habits. And especially when you're, you're dating apps, you know, you're going on three first dates a week, a lot of the girls I talk to. So if you find someone who gets at you in a different way and opens up a different part of your personality, I think that's really special. I agree. Would you say um, that there is such thing as someone who's not a good texter or are they just not interested? I think that there are definitely a lot of not good texters, but it depends on the age. I think above 40, yes, you, that, that can definitely be an excuse. In your 30s, I think you know we've been texting for over 10 years now. We, we should all know how to respond to somebody and how to keep a dialogue going if we want to. Yeah. I also think that it's important on text these days. Like, you know, if you're just having a bad day or you're tired and you really like the person, tell them like, you know, say goodnight. I'm about to go to sleep or something like that. So you don't just taper off and then they wonder for a day if you weren't interested and then you miss a day of texting and then they've already moved on to the next person because mm-hmm. you were tired and you weren't open about that. Yeah, I, think, I agree. Like, it, it's like kind of important to spell things out a little bit more clearly on text. I, I couldn't agree more. I feel like it's so easy to just write a text. It's like, why wouldn't you do that if you, if you can, and you have been for years. And you like, yeah. And you like the person, so you don't want them to think, I mean, I, I, I definitely don't like games and I, I don't think it's good for a person you like to think you're uninterested. I mean, that can work a little bit here and there, you know, play coy a little bit, but it's a, it's a give and take for sure. And you don't want, you know, you don't want to go a day with them thinking that, you know, they're just not important enough to text back. What would you say to a male, like heterosexual client who is like, I'm looking for a woman who's like a power player in the work field, but who's like so chill and like doesn't wear makeup and like goes hiking and like would sleep in a sleeping bag, but like is really successful in her career. You know what I mean? Like, which to me sounds kind of like an unrealistic situation. I usually just wouldn't work. I, I probably wouldn't take on that client because he's he's looking for something that almost doesn't exist. More often than what the example you gave, I have a lot of men, sadly, who still say, oh, I need her to be very successful. I need her to have built her own career and be in her 30s and, and have worked towards something really creative and entrepreneurial and great. 
but they don't say this out. They don't say this exactly, but they basically want her to be able to leave that tomorrow to have a family. So it's, you want someone who's worked so hard up to this point, but then you have this jet set life where you're in London one day and you're here another day and you need someone who's going to tag along with that, you know, that kind of dynamic woman probably isn't going to leave what she's created in the first year, at least of dating you. So I think people need to recap. I mean, there are women who would do that, but they don't have careers like that. So right, exactly. they're looking for. Do you think that men are still looking for like stay at home mom types or that's kind of done? Um, I think it's a balance. I think some men are, but I think that those men aren't really hiring matchmakers because that's a lot easier to find. Um, number one, there are still a lot of women who want that kind of lifestyle. And I think even stay at home, you know, someone who, who's more traditional and, you know, and, and wants a life more like that. I think most men are more intrigued if she would at least, you know, be really active with charity work or be looking to, you know, get a degree or, you know, on the side or something like that, rather than mm-hmm. literally just staying home and doing nothing. I, I, almost everybody I meet wants somebody with passions and who, who wouldn't be happy just, you know, just, just being a family mom. Yeah. Agreed. I at least have heard from all my guy friends who are single. Like there's not one of them that's like, oh yeah, I'm interested in someone who just wants to be the mother of my children. But you do you say you don't know a lot of people like that? I don't. I feel like everyone's looking for someone who's doing something now. At at least like in my in my circle. Well, and especially if they're I mean, if they're single, if they you know, if they're in their late twenties, early thirties and still single, then yeah, they should be doing something and they should, right. and hopefully they do love what they're doing. Um, yeah. so I think, yeah, I think that's exactly right. Yeah. I totally Nobody's agree. Nobody's just going to be ready to be a mom tomorrow. Right. So tell me a little bit about dating during quarantine. Like when you're setting up, you know, when you're matchmaking and it has to be virtual versus in person, like what are the differences there? Well, I think that the FaceTime dates are actually surprisingly a lot better than the in-person dates people have been finding. Um, you don't have any distractions. You don't have a waiter who's coming on to check on you. You don't have a couple next to you arguing and stuff like that. So you actually have to make eye contact with each other and kind of cut out all the external noise and really find stuff to talk about, um, which is a really foreign concept for modern dating, modern daters sometimes. So I've been really pleasantly surprised. In the beginning, a lot of our clients didn't want to do FaceTime dates because they thought that that was weird and they wanted to like wait it, wait it out until they could meet in person. But now almost everybody reactivated um, and they're really loving it. And it's usually about two FaceTimes and then they'll do a distant park walk or beach walk for the LA people and Hamptons people. And we have actually a, couple, a few couples who are now quarantining together. That's so cute. Do you give any like rules when you set up the FaceTime date or, you know, Zoom date, whatever it might be to in each individual? Like, um, you know, don't like maybe different rules for a girl versus a guy or like, you know, don't stay on more than 30 minutes. Ooh, that's a good one. Actually, we say stay on exactly about 45 minutes. We, we, because it's a matchmaking agency and they, like somebody's retained us, we want, you know, we want you to have time to get warmed up and actually get to know each other. So mm-hmm. if somebody hops on for only 10 minutes, it, it looks really bad. And I don't think it's really possible to find real connection with someone on FaceTime in 10 minutes. We do say wear something nice, not something fancy, but, you know, put on actual pants and like, right. you know, a, a, pretty something on top. Um, and we say have a drink too, if it's an evening date, pour yourself a glass of wine or a cup of coffee, just to make it a little bit more of an occasion and, and, you know, Mm. show that you actually are sitting there with them prepared and, and ready to connect with someone. Yeah. And what about, um, like how you're finding everyone, especially right now in quarantine when you can't really like go out to bars and look for potential clients or things like that. Um, I guess like, how are you finding people before and how are you finding people now? Well, bars are so tough these days. I feel like at my my old matchmaking company, we were able to find people in bars, but that was like six years ago in ancient times before the app boom. 
Um, now, you know, now I feel like people go to bars, they're not looking to meet new people anymore. They're looking, Mm -hmm. swiping on their apps and comparing notes about their apps. So I think I explained before we have, we have paying clients who can be men or women and we have network members. And if you pay, we're searching in an existing database, which we use Salesforce to organize. And we can actually go in and plug in like an age range, a height minimum for, you know, for the taller folks, or, um, you know, we can say must've gone to a top 50 school if that's important to someone, as well as personality traits like extroverted or something like that, which we use those tags really, really liberally. So Salesforce produces for us a list of people who we've met over the six years of operating who fit those basic data points. And mm-hmm. beyond that, it's all intuition. So a lot of times it'll be a person who will come up in a search who we haven't seen in three years. We go and we take them for a coffee again and we make sure that like they didn't just get terrible plastic surgery and look completely different and that, you know, they weren't just cheated on and emotionally scarred and like are hating men for the moment. So we vet them, we revet them to make sure that they're still really good matches. So that's one way we have the existing database that we search in. And then when we want to find new people, like we have a client with a very specific type where we just don't know, you know, we've just exhausted the network and, and we're not having as much luck. We, um, will go on Instagram, actually LinkedIn and Facebook. It sounds really random, but we click Mm -hmm. around on people's profiles who look interesting, who look attractive, who, you know, maybe we have friends and come with them and we'll just send them a message and say, we're matchmakers. And, um, you know, I'm sure you get lots of messages from people of the opposite sex wanting to talk, but this is something different. Here's links to our press. And during COVID, I would, it's literally like a 95% response rate on those messages when the person's single, uh, as long as we can yeah. the person single, I think because people are so bored. Right. I kind of, I love that. It's like, it's like LinkedIn recruiting, but like matchmaker recruiting. And you probably feel like receiving that message. You probably feel like a, you know, a hot commodity, which is cool. I think they do. I think it's, it's definitely kind of flattering. And we always try to make it personal. We find something we have in common with them, whether it's, you know, just a hobby or where they went to school or something like, or a friend. Um, so it, it, it's not as random as it sounds. And yeah. then when we talk to them, obviously, you know, half of them don't look like their photos a quarter right. of them like will look like their photos, but they're terrible people and they're not nice. And then, yeah. then you have another quarter that's actually good matches. So as a paying client, you could do that legwork yourself. You could go on LinkedIn or Instagram and look around, you know, click around on people who you find attractive, but you're going to end up going on a lot of bad dates. And also you're yeah. not going to get the same response rate as you do when a professional agency with, you know, a reputation for doing this. So if you guys reached out to someone and then like they didn't look like their photo or they were rude or whatever it was, like how do you get out of that, you know, and say like, oh, well, just kidding. We don't have a match for you. Yeah, it's that's tough. But we do. We say, you know, we say and it's true. We say, look, it's a very limited number of clients. And right now, because of your criteria, we don't have anybody who would be a match, but we'll keep your information on file. Um, yeah, that's the best way we can put it. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes we meet someone who's totally lovely and, you know, she's just not in the age range for our clients right now, or she's looking for someone who's like, you know, six foot four and X, Y, and Z. And we don't have a man like that at the moment. Mm -hmm. I love how the go-to is six foot four. I know. I know. I'm like smiling ear to ear because my boyfriend's six foot four. (laughs) Congrats. (laughs) Yeah, matchmaker stamp of approval. (laughs) Um, So obviously, you know, there's a lot going on in our world right now. And a topic that has been, you know, all over social media and the news is Black Lives Matter and, you know, what has gone on since Breonna Taylor and George Floyd's deaths. And, um, you know, companies are are now speaking out about their stance on, on everything that's going on and just like, you know, showing their support. And I wonder what that looks like for a matchmaking company. And like, you know, if race is something that you guys, you know, deal directly with, like if, if there's a client that might say to you, like, Hey, I won't date, you know, an Asian, or I won't date a black person, or like, I won't date a white person, you know, how do you guys react to that? And like, is that something that you genuinely consider or like you try to get them to open their horizons? 
we would try to get them to open their horizons. And thankfully, we don't hear that nearly as much anymore. I think people, our demographic, the people, the sliver of humans that we represent tend to be, you know, colorblind and very open when it comes to ethnicity and dating. I hope that with BLM, we'll start seeing even more interracial couples and people, you know, people who maybe weren't as open, you know, reading those books and making donations and learning more and listening, um, which I think social media has like done such a great job of just giving us all this information. So now maybe some of those people who were more closed-minded will open up and we're definitely going to be challenging them when, you know, when we do come across that moving forward. Yeah. It's interesting because I think back to when I was on dating apps and like you could say, I only want, you know, Caucasian or I only want to see, you know, black matches. And it's interesting because it's like, you know, technically you guys are like a real life dating app. And it's like, how do you, how do you like judge someone for saying what their preference is, but like, you know, also try to listen to them without yeah, it is like, it's tricky. It's tricky because you do want to respect the person's preference if it's a physical type or something like that. But I think, you know, we're, we're in the driver's seat. There are clients, so we can do our little tiny part to, to help by saying, you know, we actually, that's not a valid criteria for us here. So we're going to present the matches if you want to talk about them and say no for other reasons, but we're going to present who we think would be a good personality match for you. Yeah. That said, I think that, you know, there's also people have been saying, you know, I, 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 I can never understand, but still I stand, which I think is such a beautiful thing to say. But there is that understanding, which makes me think that, you know, maybe maybe a black person who says I only want to date black people because of that shared understanding Mm. I have to probably valid in its own way, though, hopefully people will start listening more and start understanding more and we'll all be a little bit more on the same page moving forward. Yeah. Do you think, and this is like a very controversial question and I'm not even sure what my answer would be, but do you think that like, you know, a white person saying I want to date a white person is the same thing as like a Jewish person saying I want to date a Jewish person? Or do you think that there is a separation there? I think that there's a separation because I think uh, Judaism is a culture and it's a value set. Being white is just being white. You could be white and Russian. You could be white and Australian. Like I I would say like, I want to meet a Canadian person or I want to meet a a Jewish, you know, some, I I would not say that white, a white person wanting to meet a white person probably isn't fair or thoughtful. Right. Yeah. That's literally the color of someone's skin. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't have a shared past. You don't have a shared, you know, value set or anything that would necessarily put you two together. So we usually do these rapid fire questions at the end of our podcast. And then um, we end with a quote or piece of advice that you have for our listeners. So I'm going to pull up some questions for rapid fire. So while I'm pulling this up, think of a quote that you like. Can a relationship that doesn't work long distance still be a great relationship otherwise? Or do all strong relationships work long distance? I think that all strong relationships should work long distance. Is it bad if you had a dream about another person and liked it, you have a significant other? No. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be strange if you, if you didn't, depending on how long the relationship has been. I agree. Do you break up with someone who is great, but not the one during this pandemic. Yes. Yeah. People are not letting this slow down their love lives. People are going to, you know, let, let that person get back on the apps and play that numbers game as, as actively as, as they want to be. I agree. If you both say you're not seeing other people, does that mean you're official? Yes. Interesting. I feel like that just means exclusive. I don't know. I'm like, it's, that's like the, my, my French values as well. I think like if you're exclusive, then that's your boyfriend. Like it, right. for me that it, it would, it's silly to have two conversations about right. that. Right. That's interesting. If your significant other was cheating, would you want the other person to tell you? Yes. Yeah. Do you think people who are really into celebrating their birthdays are narcissistic? No, not at all. I suppose depending on, no, not at all. Depending on the I age. Of 
Um, I agree. I feel like you make it easy for your friends to celebrate you. So if anything, you're like selfless. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Okay. And last rapid fire. Is it fair to get annoyed at a roommate for showering with their significant other in your shared shower? Is it normal to get mad at them? Yeah. Uh, no, it's a shower. It cleans itself. Yeah. <laughs> right. And hopefully you like your, you, you like your roommate. You want them to have a, an active love life. So. Right. And it's saving water. So saving yeah. the planet. <laughs> and you know that they're, they're bringing someone clean into your space. They value hygiene. They value, you know, that's, I think that's a good sign. <laughs> I agree. So Emily, what is a quote that you can leave us with or a piece of advice that you've received throughout the years that our listeners would benefit from hearing? Yes. So my favorite quote is the only relationship that you'll have forever is the one with yourself because you can never leave yourself. I love that. Yeah. And I find that it definitely applies to the most successful matches are two people who really embody that, Mm. you know, that mantra, um, and, and are self-actualized and, and have their own careers and passions and really have themselves figured out and then they can come together to make something really dynamic. Agreed. I love that. And that's why it's so important to work on yourself, people. So where can everyone find you and last verse and sign up for matchmaking and hear more about it? So you can go to www.lastfirst.com. And there's an apply tab. Um, We read all the applications and respond within a day. Um, And again, you have the option to be matched completely for free. You do an interview with us and um, you're automatically in our network. And we work with some extraordinary clients who are really, really cool. Awesome. Thank you so much, Emily. I hope everyone enjoyed the episode. Write us a review or send in some questions via Instagram or we met at acme at gmail.com if you have any. Thanks.